Hi guys, welcome. My guest today is Antoine Dante Hill. Antoine is a runway coach and an entrepreneur and also a fashion coach based in Dallas, Texas and sometimes shuttles between Dallas and the DMV and Atlanta. Um, welcome to the podcast, Antoine. Thank you so much for having me, sir. You're welcome. Um, how is Dallas? Um, it's really hot. <laughs> Worse <laughs> than what I expected it to be, but um, it's it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. So which do you prefer, winter or summer? I love winter. I love fall, actually, only because I love the layers, but I would rather winter over summer any day. Yeah, but well, well, most people don't like the fall and the red because of the allergies and everything. Very true. See, I don't, I don't, thank God I don't have those issues. So <laughs> just bring me the fall and the winter and I'm okay. <laughs> uh, so, um, what, so what's your, we know what's happening around and the changes that people are pushing for and when it comes to race relationships and um, police relations and everything. So what's your take on race and racism around the world, especially with America as a point of focus? Um, I think that it's always been in the eye. I think that we've or always been in the view. We just turned a blind eye to it or we did what we could do or we used the, the excuse in our mind that if it's not directly affecting us, then it doesn't exist. And I believe that now with everything going on, um, and I believe it was Will Smith that said something that was very, very interesting. And it wasn't that racism just didn't pop up and start existing it's just now being uh recorded and it's very very true and i I hate that a life had to end for all of this to happen um but the momentum needs to keep going because it will continuously happen if we don't stay on um if we don't stay beating the concrete um i think it's a serious issue and it's a very prevalent issue it's a very serious issue, and it needed it need to be taken as serious as someone's life. Yeah, because I, I think I think I've noticed a new trend that has been happening now with the with the era of now smartphones and people recording people be misbehaving and acting entitled and everything. I I think the public shaming is really a good a, re, a as long as it doesn't threaten anyone's life and everything. I think public shaming for racists is a good way to call people out, like call people out for all the, for their BS. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, so let's go to your favorite topic. Um, how is your mental? <laughs> so uh, to be perfect, I, my first thing I was going to say was it's okay. Um, but if I can be real with you, um, it fluctuates throughout the day. Uh, my anxiety is high some days. Depression gets the best of me on some days. Um, today, I, a person dealing with mental illness can only speak day by day. Sometimes it's minute by minute. But today, I'm in a great space. I'm in a space where I can smile authentically. And if someone such as yourself asks me how I'm doing today, I am... Um, I'm happy today. I'm really, really happy today. That that that's good to hear, because I I know even me too. There's some days where it like I I walk like two weeks in, two weeks out because of the COVID thing, and some there are some days where I just like 
oh my god i can't stand staying home for the, another two weeks because sometimes it can drive your mind crazy that's why sometimes i try to like keep busy keep engaged and keep doing something and i guess that's where the whole podcast thing started because you just staying home and not like learning something or doing something productive it's as good as useless correct correct yeah so um with all that's happening around the world with the pandemic do you feel it's affecting a lot of people's mental health uh that (laughs) absolutely uh absolutely um and it, and you, you stated you stated yourself that um, you're staying in the house, and sometimes for a person that's not good uh, because where we as people may consider this a safe haven or being in our home a safe haven, um, there are some people out there where their home isn't their safe haven. It's actually the battlefield, and going outside they feel more safe than being inside of the house, whether it's mentally, spiritually, or physically being abused. Um, if it's the lack of food or the lack of essentials in a household, uh, it, it's it, it's hurtful. It also could be where someone has everything in the world, but social media is their, is their enemy. And so going through social media, they're looking at people lose weight, but yet they're still eating, or they're looking at people still traveling, um, despite everything that's going on, but they're sitting still or they're unable to. They're looking at people go out and buy groceries for their children. And we're recording as we go shopping in, in all of the big box retails or the local stores. And some people are sitting home, maybe filtering through their social media and they can't even feed their children, but they're looking at you shop and they don't know why. And so um, I think the, the, the important question is, are you really okay? Um, and that's the question that we need to ask. I get that we're standing out and we're all saying this, but um, your mental is it's it's the engine to your body. It's the engine to what is supposed to move and to, to operate. And so mental illness plays a huge part with the pandemic. It plays a huge part with what's going on in the country as well as the world with racism today. Um, and we're not asking that question. Are you authentically and honestly okay? Um, and then not only waiting for them to respond, but assist with the resources once that person responds that I'm not okay. So say, for instance, you were to act when you just asked me, how's my mental? If I had told you I'm all over the place, I'm screwed. I don't know up from down or right from wrong. What would have been your what would have been your response? Pardon me. And so we need to get into that mindset to always be ready if that person's not okay. Um so uh, I, I think that we just need to start there. And I, I've always said that that needs to be the question when we start greeting each other. Um, I know hello was, you know, we learned that as children, as we did washing our hands. Um, but we need to ask that walking up to a person, you know, that needs to be the greeting. Because that may be the only time a day someone get asked, are you okay? Is everything okay? Yeah, that, that that's true. So, why why do you feel feel a lot of people going through going going through the issues with mental health refuse to tell someone they know what they are going through? Nobody wants to walk into the to the arena and look like the weak guy. 
um, because you've trained so long being this strong person. You've trained for so long putting on this face. Um, I'll tell anyone in the world that my favorite character is Joker. Um, and it's because Joker puts this smile on a painted face and no one understands him in the inside. No one understands. And so that's how we take life. We put this smile on. We stand in the mirror as we brush our teeth and we put this smile on. You listen to your gospel music or you listen to your, you know, your, 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 your go to music to get ready because you think that's what the world want you to do. Or that's what we've conditioned our minds to believe. The world want me to be okay. The world want me to walk around and give high fives and, and elbow punches or hugs and kisses. When in all reality, you're not okay. But being not okay, we have normalized not being okay as, oh, it's something wrong. Or you're crazy. Or I don't want anything to do with you. You know, I used to have a friend who said, oh, I just want someone who's sane. What does sane look like? <laughs> so um, I think that's where the issue is, because we've normalized, you know, perfection. Uh, we look for perfection. We want perfection and want in most cases. So then we start to hide. And I, I'm, I'm one of those people where. Um, I put on a smile and I'll get on social media and I'll post all these positive things. And 64% of the time, I'm extremely, extremely weak and my core is extremely vulnerable, but I can't allow that. So, and I think that comes with maturity of the mind and I'm getting there. And there are a lot of people that are still trying to get there. Yeah, that's true because sometimes you you, you, you go through social media or you, you see People who go through social media or, or see their friends or, or they feel, oh, I'm better than this friend, but it, it seems like everything keeps going well for that friend. And right. you see people come on social, uh, social media and they showcase something. Sometimes if you go away from social media and see them in the real life, they could have issues, but they want to like show on social media or to their friends like, like oh, I'm well, I'm well off, I'm doing this. Or they go back and they go to their quiet space and they cry. And I guess sometimes, most times, people don't even know how to express themselves to people to say, hey, I need help. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, let's dive now into your your second favorite place, fashion. <laughs> <laughs> so how, 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 did you discover your love for fashion and what inspired you to go into coaching and training models? Um, I discovered my love for fashion growing up and I grew up with three older sisters and um, I just watched them. I used to ride the bus back and forth from the beginning of the line to the end of the line and I would do what we have now called people watch and I just used to watch fashion. I used to watch people mannerisms and I was always fascinated with it. And I started modeling at an early age, um, didn't know how to sew. So I started modeling and that was my foot in the door to fashion. Uh, fast forward, I went through a ton of trainings. Um, I've been coached by some of the best in my eyes um, that I owe my entire career to. Uh, Stephanie Kane in Philadelphia being one, Dwayne Wilkins in Philadelphia being another, um, Jonathan Lavaro in New York being another one. I owe my career to those people. And so um, I got into the industry and then I started sewing and I started wanting to be a designer. So I thought, but I didn't. 
Um, and I didn't like designing because people didn't understand. It was it was a very great place. You're either up or you're down, you're in or you're out. You got to go with the trends. Whereas though modeling was, this is what it is. It's kind of like teaching mathematics. Like this is what it is. One plus one equals two. It's a universal language. And so that's how I, I looked at modeling. And um, then as the older I got, I said, no, I, I wanted to coach. I no longer want to be on the forefront. Um, I can take a million and one pictures, but I want to teach people how this industry works. And so many people out here have um, created modeling troops and modeling camps and do all of this, but they never dig down and teach them why things are. So it's just like someone handing you a diploma saying, you don't need to go to school. Here's your diploma and go out in the job force. And then they go out here and they just, it's fabulous that they know or they think that they want to be, but they don't even know the groundwork to what they're getting themselves into. And so that's where I created the school aspect of it is because I want to teach the groundwork. I want to teach you how to read a resume, how to get ready for a, a go see, how to how to review a comp card, how to create a comp card, what your competition look like in the field, um, you know what you look good in, how to take pictures, how to pose, what you should look like on a runway, and uh, it just it really fell into my lap. I I worked on my craft over the course of 15 years and every day wasn't great and every show was not successful to the human eye. Uh, so it, it took a lot of work. It took a lot of teaming to come together and do it. And I would like to say success is defined by the person looking at it. And I believe that I have become an extremely successful person in changing lives not success in finances or not success in having the most or being the most, you know, followed person on social media because of my craft. But those that the company I lead touch, yeah, I'm extremely successful at that. And I love what I do. That's, that's good to hear. This is Asuko Travels, a new podcast by me, Asuko Eitan an online content creator, YouTuber, and banker. On this podcast, I'm going to be sharing my vast experience in travel, tech, fitness, and lifestyle, entertainment, and fashion, and also have fascinating guests each week to discuss this topic. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Plus... Visit www.asukotravels.com for more. Um, what 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 is Stampede School of Modeling all about? <laughs> so, the Stampede School of Modeling is um, we are a safe haven. <clears throat> Pardon me, we're a safe haven where one can come in, the mannequin can come in and get the best or the highest quality of training um, with the greatest level of expertise that we can possibly give. Uh, we build bridges between craft and professionalism. That's what we do. That's our mantra. Um, we're an innovative modeling school. We're an etiquette academy. Uh, we are, we're, we're life-changing. I, it, it, 
fills my heart up to to work with a model, to work with a mannequin. And in the end, they send me a message or they grab me and they hug me when they see me in the streets or the airport. And they say, you changed my life. And I say, oh, you're modeling now? You're in New York Fashion Week, Beijing Fashion Week? Like, what are you doing now? And they said, no, I'm a store manager. Or no, I'm in college. But you changed my life because you gave me life tools, which were greater than modeling tools. And that's what make me a great coach, I believe. Um, and so that's where Stampede, uh, that's what Stampede is. We take the individual, we take the raw individual, and we create a masterpiece. We take what we were given, and we create uh, what the world see in that person. We bring out of them what someone tried to bury deep. And so that's what Stampede does. And um, I like to consider, I don't consider myself an instructor or a model teacher. I consider myself a coach. Because if you ask most players or most people in school, who do they trust the most? Do they trust their teacher or instructor or do they trust their coach? And 99% of the time they will tell you their coach. Because their coach care about them in the classroom, on the field, and off. They want them to do better. They give them life lessons and not just a textbook version. And that's what separate us from every other agency, every other school, every other modeling troupe that's out there. That's what separates Stampede from the rest. That, that, at least I've, I've, I've worked for the last two, three years. I've worked closely with you, and I could be a good testament, a very good test testimony to that. <laughs> yeah. So you have you've trained and coached over four thousand models. What would you say has been the key motivating factor or the thing that has inspired you to stay dedicated to what you do? Um, I will start off by saying I wanted to quit several times. Um, I wanted to quit more times than I wanted to succeed. And I think that's what kept me going. Um, my models have no idea um, what they do for me. Uh, the, uh, the text messages and the the... the the group me messages, the Facebook messages, um, they empower me. I just had one just two weeks ago, and one of my models who was supposed to be on my show in April, he sent me a message with his graduation picture, with his cap and gown, and he said, thanks, coach. I got this for you because I wanted to quit in the process. And that alone did something for me because it let me know that I saved another African-American male life. I saved another black life so he can breathe. So he can know what the future hold, and um, it just my 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 students, my pupils are the ones that that motivate me, and they have no idea. They have no idea. They call me mean. They call me, you know, I can scream and I can yell and um, I can be a tyrant at times. But they know that deep down inside that my heart, I'm, I'm passionate about them. Um, I don't throw shows. I don't do events to walk away with all of this money, to walk away with my name being in on big billboards. Um, I'm just a vessel and I'm a servant leader and I, I, I serve at the pleasure of them. And then it makes it easy to lead them to where they need to go. And if that's modeling, so be it. I promise to, to invest everything I can in you. And so that's my drive. You know, of course, besides my mother, who has never let me stray, um, and my support system, uh, my students, my models are definitely uh, the driving force to why, after 16 years, um, I still do what I do.
That, that's, that's good to hear. So let's let's talk about the fashion show. It was supposed to hold in April, but because of COVID, it was was moved to September. I'm I'm right, right? Correct. You are. So when in September is it scheduled to hold? So we are slated for the 13th of September, 2020, at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center in Washington, D.C. Cool. And everything in motion is set now, right? Everything is set. Um, I will. You will be the first. This is kind of like an exclusive. Um, you're the first to know that we are uh, coming strong and even in the talks of changing the whole title of this show and going with something totally different. Um, but we are slated. Everything is still on track. Um, as long as the convention center and events DC will allow, or not even events DC, but that the mayor will allow, uh, Washington DC to hold large, uh, events of 300 or more, 250 or more, we will move forward with it. But if we are not, then we will have our event in 2021. Okay, cool. At least it's good I have the exclusive. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so let, let let's let's take um, another direction. Like how? Because I know you're busy with your work, your nine to five job, and everything. So how how is it that you balance your work with what you do for the school and every other thing that you do? Um, I work. I have a work life balance, and I used to didn't know how to do that. But I log in at 7.45 in the morning and I log out around 5.30, 6 o'clock at the latest in the evening. Um, I spend time with my family. I spend time with my partner and we go from there. And then if I wake up at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning and my mind is rolling, I dedicate that to Stampede. Um, I can't tell you that I allocate and say, hey, from 3 to 6, I'm doing this from 5 to 7. As much as I love to follow my calendar and my agenda, artists never know what the next millisecond hold. Um, so I balance the two. I have two phones. I have two laptops. I sit in front of three monitors all day and I'll put Stampede on one monitor, my nine to five on another monitor, and then something with philanthropy or motivational speaking or a YouTube video on how I better myself and how I can better speak and connect with my audience on another screen. And then I'll have something pulled up on my other laptop and on my phones and uh, that better me. I watch all the videos that you do, all the the vlogs that you do um, when you visited Stampede um, during our training process. And I look at those continuously because I look at how we can better. How can I coach the next model? What can I say differently to make that person feel more comfortable with me and more comfortable within themselves? So um, I, I don't necessarily know how I balance. I ask God that every day. Um, I work a full-time job. I have a part-time job. I have a family that I tend to uh, and I have, I'm a full-time entrepreneur and then I do speaking engagements on the side of that. Um, I have four ment uh, mentees that I train and I coach on a daily basis. I check in with, give them homework, um, life coach. So I don't know, but I do know that I was given 86,400 seconds every day to do what I can do. And I will not waste not one of them. Cool. So I know you was you were supposed to also move um, travel to South Africa. Is the trip still on? 
Yeah, so I was supposed to go to South Africa for my 35th birthday in May and was unable to, of course, because of COVID. So right now, my traveling entourage, if you'll allow me, we are slated to go August 1st through the 9th. Um, I'm Prayerfully, we can still go. Um, I don't want to keep pushing it back, but I can't control what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, to answer your question, we are slated to go August 1st through the 9th of this year. I think by that time, things will have opened up. So yes, I think perfectly. the new the norm new <laughs> pending when perfectly. a cure comes out is where everybody just wear your face mask. Simple. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So any new projects in the works? Um, I am still, which I have been just continuously doing my book, um, so I'm I'm really excited about that coming out. I've Ooh, another it for exclusive. A I'm sorry. Another exclusive. <laughs> it is another exclusive. So I'm hoping to get it out um, by May of 2021. That is my goal: is to get it out by then. Um, I feel like the world needs it, but I don't want to rush a project um, because it may not be ready for that person. Uh, and then, of course, the show. And we're trying to revamp to get Stampede in another city. So that is also in the works and just trying to do that really, really low key. But, um, of course, the fashion show. So is what cities are you looking, looking, looking at to like do an offshoot of the fashion show? Say that one more time. What, city, what city are you looking to do that in? To open up Stampede, uh, uh, Stampede camp, another campus. Yeah. So we're torn right now between Charlotte and Philadelphia. Um, mm-hmm. They both have a very, very high need of our services. Mm-hmm. So that's the two locations we're looking at. Oh, cool. So any final words? Um, Final words. Um, I always tell everyone to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Don't allow the new norm. And we have so many new norms that people say, whether it's the face mask, whether it's wearing gloves um, or, you know, this whole racism issue and police brutality issue. Uh, Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. The minute that we become complacent and comfortable, the minute that we stop succeeding, we stop moving the needle. The needle should never stop moving. So as long as you're a part of that process, um, I don't care what you're doing in life. Never stop. Never stop and go to your grave completely empty. Make that your goal. If you don't have a goal, if you're unsure of what you want to do, simply say, I want to die empty. I want to die empty. That means you will relinquish every possible thing in you and everything that you do in life every day. But um, and I love you. Some someone that's going to listen to this, whether it's tomorrow in July or ten years from now in archives, they may never have been told that they're loved. So I love you. I genuinely, genuinely love you from the bottom of my soul. Yeah. Thank you very much. So you're welcome. How can people reach you for business considerations and everything? Absolutely. So on all social media, um, it's at Fashion Guru. And Guru is spelled G-H-U-R-U. Um, and then on Facebook, I am Antoine Dante Hill. And you can always check us out on the World Wide Web at StampedeSchoolOfModeling.com. All right, cool. Um, thank you again for being on, this, on the podcast. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited and congratulations on your new endeavor. Thank you. 
So that's it for today's episode. Thanks to Antoine for sharing his vast knowledge when it comes to mental health, entrepreneurship, and fashion. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and also visit www.asukotravels.com for more. Thank you again, Antoine. Absolutely, sir. Thank you. Oh.